Well, hello, everybody. Welcome to this episode of What's Next. I am your host, Tiffany Bova, and I am super excited about this guest today. I have followed Michael Bungay Stanier, otherwise known as MBS, <laughs> for a long time. We recently met in person face-to-face at the Thinkers 50 event where he won the coaching award from Thinkers 50, which congratulations. Thank you. But he has so much more. He is best <laughs> known for his book, The Coaching Habit, which is the best-selling book on coaching this century and is considered a classic by none other than Seth Godin. His most recent book is How to Work with Almost Anyone, and almost is in brackets. It shows how to create psychological safety by building the best possible relationship with key people at work. He founded Box of Crayons, a learning and development company that has trained hundreds of thousands of managers to be more coach-like in organizations from Microsoft to Gucci. His TEDx has been viewed by more than a million people. And so there's just so much to talk about, but welcome it, MBS to the well, show. Thank you. I'm so happy to be here. And um, some of the people we've uh, trained and worked with are people from Salesforce, where we do a lot of work, and people from Gartner, where we did a lot of work with the uh, EXP group in there. So I feel like we've uh, we've been we've danced so close to each other for decades, and here we are finally having a podcast conversation. Yeah, and you know, it sounds like you've got the classic American accent. Not really. That's an Aussie. Yeah, I'm an Aussie, but I left Australia ooh, 30 years ago now. So moved from Australia to England to study, which did two amazing things for me. It stopped me becoming a lawyer because I had a <laughs> struggling law degree back in Australia. And I met my Canadian wife uh, at Oxford. So lived in uh, London and Oxford for a while, then Boston for a few years, and then Canada for the last 20 years. So I've got one of those hybrid accents, and nobody can quite tell where it's from. Plus, I have a speech impediment just to confuse things. <laughs> well, you know, when he says he was educated in Oxford, he was a Rhodes Scholar at Oxford University. So, like, let's just chalk that up to uh, smarty pants. How about well, that? Well, I... I um, you're right. People who are road scholars tend to be to be smart, but but there's a spectrum of them, and I'm on the bottom end of that spectrum. But when I was going for the road scholarship, I was on the short list, and I looked around. And I'm just like, these are all brilliant people. They're all won university medals, and they're they're very academic elite. And I wasn't that, so it was one of my first gambles of like, I need to be a bit different to try and make this work. So everybody else showed up in a blue suit and a white shirt and a and pearls or a red tie, kind of classic power moves. And I was wearing a pink tie-dye thing. I had long blonde hair. I had my earrings on. I was wearing a purple suit. I was like, I'm going to come a distant last, or I might get a, a, a prize by being the, the odd one out. And it was a gamble that really paid off. And he still today, the loudest suit in the room and the biggest <laughs> laugh. So that is still all true. All right. But before we get into the conversation of how to work with mm. almost anyone, we have to start with bullish and bearish. So bullish, you're for it. Bearish, you're against it. Are you ready? I'm so ready. What a great start. All right. Artificial intelligent lawyers, bullish or bearish? Oh, I'm bearish. <laughs> oh, no, no, I'm bullish. Like I'm like, I did. I, I was a law clerk for a while. It is the most, most of the law is miserable and tedious and definitely should be outsourced. So I think that is a great thing. Okay. The next one. Bullish or bearish, a Harlequin romance novel. Bullish or bearish? <laughs> well, I have had a Harlequin romance novel published, or at least a short story version of it. So I, I 
admire anything that makes people read. So I am all for that. I heard R.L. Stein on the radio today. He writes Goosebumps, like a huge seller for kids. And he's like, I get a bit of disrespect from the critics, but kids love me and they read because of me. So anything that makes people read, I'm all for it. All right. We'll go with that. And the last bullish or bearish hot air balloon travel. Ooh, well, you know, as a big reader, I love steampunk, you know, that kind of classic blend between Victorian literature and kind of sci-fi and, and uh, hot air balloons. You always feature those in steampunk. So I think I'm, I'm, I think I'm going for three bullish, Tiffany. You know, I'm love all it. in for all these things. Love it. And all a little bit sort of, you know, close to you because the lawyer, yeah. the Harlequin romance book, and That's you right. like to hop. So I was going to do... <laughs> I was going to do a pogo stick. Bullish oh, and bearish. that's great. Well, that, 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 you're right. Like when I was a kid, I was, um, you know, as a four-year-old, I'd come up to strangers in supermarkets and I'd go, hi, my name's Michael and I can hop. Would you like to see me hop? My mom was like, who is this kid? It's <laughs> embarrassing me. And honestly, Tiffany, I don't know if you feel this way, but I feel like that's still pretty much my career. I'm still kind of as a 55 year old going up to people going, I'm Michael and I can hop. Do you want to see me hop? I'm just, you know, I just wear a suit occasionally now. So now you understand why I wanted to talk to MBS and we just like laugh when we see each other. The conversations <laughs> right. are great, but you know, we all, we have to get a little serious, a okay. little serious, not right. too serious, but how to work with almost anyone you really grounded in this statement, your happiness and success depend on your working relationships. Right. Well, that's well, true. Let me I start mean, there. Just, well, I mean, everybody listening, think about the worst working relationships you've had, the ones that were really hard, that were a struggle, that were miserable. You've all had them. And just think how that impacted, not just your ability to do the work, not just the quality of the work, but just the experience you had, how you felt about it. And it was regardless of the work. You might have been super excited about the work, but if you had a bad boss, man, that whole experience is tainted. And likewise, if you think about the best working relationships you've had, the ones that kind of came alive where there was fun and laughter and collaboration and that kind of sense of like we're onto something, there's a way that the best working relationships elevate the work no matter what it is. And yet, even though these relationships, the quality have such a big impact, most of the time we cross our fingers and we hope for the best. <laughs> and we hope we're like, I hope this is good. And we don't know what to do about it if it isn't good. And so this book is an attempt to say, here's how you more actively manage the way you show up so that you can actually create the best possible relationships. Well, I'd like to break this into a couple categories, maybe, if you don't mind. One is, okay, I'm new to a team or I'm new to a company or I'm new to something. Right. That initial establishment of a relationship right. versus maybe, maybe you know, that kind of the importance of the first 90 days. So maybe the relationship didn't get off on the best foot and now you have to course correct. Yeah. Right? What's the difference between those two? Well, they're both the same in principle. You know that saying, the best time, the best time to plant an acorn was 20 years ago and the second best time to plant an acorn is today. So there's no doubt that when you, you know, you, when you hire somebody and they come onto your team and you start working with them for the first time or when you show up, and you're like, okay, I'm new here, and you start building key working relationships, there's a kind of a freshness. So you're able to kind of go, right, here I am. Let me tell you who I am. You tell me who you are, and we'll figure out how best to work together. 
but it's true also that you know most of us we've got ongoing working relationships we've had a boss for a while we've had a team for a while we've had colleagues for a while we've had key clients for a while and my bet is you can look at most of those relationships and go they could probably be a bit better i mean they may not be revolutionary better but every working relationship can probably be 10% better and there's an opportunity there for you to say hey tiffany before we jump into this next thing could you and i just have like 20 minutes where we have a chat about how we're working together because i reckon there might be ways we can fine tune how we're doing that so that we're both a little happier and the work is a little more fun well i could tell you for me this is a lesson that i keep relearning <laughs> yeah yeah and i have to keep relearning was or is sometimes that's kind of you know here's who i am or i'm just getting to meet you and sometimes it's this misunderstanding of sort of the intention or the excitement and not everyone works at the same level of you know passion or whatever the words are right and so then it's like i felt like i would spend a lot of energy and cycle time on this course correction right or trying to not be who i was or what i was or how i wanted to sort right. of work because i was trying to blend in right or correct my behavior or approach with somebody right. and i found it exhausting yeah and you know the people you were working with were feeling exactly the same <laughs> because you know you show up and you're like okay i'm tiffany and they're like wow we know tiffany she's done this she's written these books she's been on this podcast she's just you know you got a bit of kind of fame and glamour and kind of a player status when you show up and that warps the the relationship fabric a little bit and the other person shows up and they've got all of the stuff that they bring with them and that warps the fabric a little bit so we are so quick to make up what we think we know about that other person and we're so quick to project what we think is true for us onto that other person and you know the key tactic in this book is the keystone conversation this insight that before you start the work have a conversation about how you do the work together and it is as simple and as difficult as that <laughs> because it sounds obvious when i say it kind of as bluntly as that but the work is always calling you it's always urgent or important or you're excited about it and you want to get on with it and you've just got a, a, a lifetime of habit of like let's crack on with the work so it feels a bit unnatural to stop and say, hey, Tiffany, before we start this, you know, who are you? <laughs> How do we work together? How do you work well? How do you work badly? What do we need to do to shape something so that we amplify the best of who we are and we kind of avoid the worst of who we are? Do you agree with the statement I'm about to make, which is I 100% agree with what you just said, but I feel like there's an underlying assumption that then both the person asking and the person being asked has a high level of self-awareness. There's no doubt that this book is, is actually a bit of a self-help book disguised as a business book because there are five questions in the Keystone Conversation. And the first bit of the book is like, you need to know your answers to the five questions. You need to know yourself. And the more aware you are of your own strengths and picadillos and kind of quirks and preferences and just the way you show up, the more specific and articulate and useful you can be in describing those to the other people. And there's no doubt that, you know, there's a spectrum. Some of us are all in on that stuff and we really know, you know, all the bits and pieces that make us up. And some people are a bit oblivious to that. I don't think you need to have reached enlightenment to get into a conversation around this, because even if the other person's answers 
have a limited depth to them, it's a start. And Tiffany, the secret sauce to this is that even if the answers aren't always great or insightful or what you're hoping for, having a keystone conversation, a conversation about how you work together before you start working together, gives you permission to keep talking about how the relationship is going. So it unlocks future value because you can keep coming back going, hey, <laughs> it's not working as well as I hoped it would. What do we need to adjust this? Yeah, and I, and I think that's just so true, right? And I also agree, you know, being 100% self-aware is impossible. I mean, like, <laughs> right. it's like the, it's like, it's like 15% of people are actually self-aware, right? It's a very small right. percentage. It's not a right. high percentage, right? And you may think you're self-aware in certain areas or you think you've got it nailed, but it doesn't mean that's how other people perceive you. So I think this, how to work with almost anyone is also how do you almost work with yourself, right? And, and show oh, exactly. up better so that other people have a better experience working with you as well. Like as an example, one of the exercises in the book, um, you know, an opportunity to reflect and become wiser as to who you are, is what do people keep getting wrong about you? I think that's a really interesting question to ask because there's no doubt that you've had working relationships where you're like, I don't know why people assume this about me. It's really irritating because it's not true. And yet there's a pattern of that thing keeps showing up. And it's actually a hint to this kind of gap between your level of self-awareness and how the world sees you. You know, like my answer to that is I apparently have a very unhappy resting face. <laughs> like I, like in, in person, I try and come across as smiley, happy, laughy guy. I'm not angry. I don't have anger issues. I've never, I've like, I've never shouted at anybody in my life at work, but I had one working relationship where finally she's like, I've been, I've been really anxious to tell you this. And I'm like, why are you anxious? Like I'm, I'm the nicest guy in the planet. <laughs> and she's like, you always look so angry. And it turns out when I am thinking, I get serious and I look serious and it's slightly intimidating. And so this was such a helpful revelation. And it occurred like 25 years into my working career. <laughs> so there's more to find out about who you are so that you can help navigate that with the other person. Well, you know, you also say in the book that every relationship, even though it's working well, right, and things are going well, becomes suboptimal at some point. Like something happens. Cracks start to show up. Right. Um, and so when that happens, I can speak for myself. Like, then now what do I do? Right. Like I start to sense that that person is something, whatever that something is. Right. right? Not as engaged, not as interested in working with me or, you know, not as responsive or whatever it might be. Yeah. That sort of, uh-oh, now what do I do uh -oh. about it? Yeah, yeah. I'll tell you where I would start with that. There's all sorts of places you can go with that. But the first place to start is to orient and figure out what's actually going on. Because we are brilliant at just making stuff up. <laughs> so you've got, a, you've got a hint of something and you're like, I think what this means is. And uh, let me give you a, a simple tool that everybody can use that can help untangle the whirl of stuff that's going on in your brain so that you get a, a slightly clearer read on what actually might be happening. And this comes from nonviolent communication, a, a tool created by Marshall Rosenberg. And he says this, all that stuff in your head can fall out into four different buckets. It's either data, the facts, feelings, how you are emotionally responding to the situation, judgments, your opinion about all the stuff that's going on, and then what you want or what you need. And what's really helpful is when you've got that uh-oh moment to actually go, well, what's the facts and what are my feelings and judgments because they combine and what do I want from this? 
And it actually gives you clarity as to what you might want to do as a result of that. And what's amazing, Tiffany, when you do this is, first of all, you discover that there are far fewer facts than you thought there would be. <laughs> like there's barely any data whatsoever. When the, when the standard for data is, you know, is it true? Like, did it happen? Is it a thing? You know, there's actually rarely that much. There is, on the other hand, a relentlessly huge amount of judgment and opinion and made up interpretation of what's going on. And then when you combine that with the five core feelings, mad, sad, glad, ashamed and afraid, actually what's, what's influencing how you're seeing at the moment is mostly feelings and judgments. I'm upset because they're doing this. I'm angry because I don't think I can trust them. I'm worried because this feels like it's going off the rails. All of those are feelings and judgments. And once you kind of see the facts and the feelings and judgments, then it becomes clear on what you, what you want or what you need. Sometimes that might be just to do nothing, but just to calm down. <laughs> Sometimes it's, I need to have a conversation and give them feedback. Sometimes it's, I need to have a conversation that repairs this relationship and gets us back on track. Well, you, you have these attributes of resilient and long-lasting relationships. So what are those things people can sort of do to set themselves up for? Because you've just now described, like, when you see the cracks, here are the things you do. Yeah. But if you're trying to build a long-lasting relationship, yeah. what are those three attributes? Sure. So the goal is the best possible relationship. So not the best relationship, like not every working relationship is going to be unicorns galloping along, vomiting rainbows. Then you're going to have a bell curve and some are going to be brilliant at one end and some are kind of going to suck at the other end and most are going to be somewhere in the middle. And you're looking to optimize, make the best of the quality and the potential of any relationship. And a BPR, best possible relationship, has three pillars, safe, vital, repairable. So safe is the place to start. There's a reason Amy Edmondson won the number one thinker at uh, the Thinkers 50 Gala we were at. And it's been 10 years since she really popularized this idea of psychological safety. And it's really stuck. Like we've got really clear that for people to flourish at work, they need to have the fear removed. They need to feel they can show up and be themselves. So it is a really great place to start. How do I create a sense of safety in this relationship? But I don't think that's enough. Like I've had working relationships that have been very psychologically safe and honestly, they've been a bit boring <laughs> and a bit limiting and a bit stifling. It's a little bit like having a warm bath and I, I don't like baths. <laughs> I'm like, I'm a little trapped in this thing. So the second element is vital, meaning not just essential, but meaning full of life. So or you could think of this as psychological bravery, psychological safety, psychological bravery. So it's stepping out to the edge being in stepping into ambiguity, pushing each other, provoking each other, saying the hard thing, saying the hard truth. You know, all of these are this idea of how do we build psychological bravery? So we don't just keep safe, but we also kind of stretch and grow and reach. And then the third element is that it is repairable, safe, vital, and repairable. And so repairable means that, look, when, it, when the fabric rips, because it, it will, when, when it goes off the rails, because it will, sometimes in a big way, but mostly as a, in a kind of small way, how do you get back to that? You know, in, in researching this book, I read all the great relationship writers, people like Esther Perel and Terry Reel and Dan Siegel and John Gottman, all these people who for years have really created deep insights as to what successful and intimate relationships and across all of those writers there are there's this two-part insight the relationships that last and thrive get repaired 
and most of us suck at repairing relationships. So to be the person who is brave enough to notice the rip and to do something about it is a great contribution to building the best possible relationships. Well, I think, you know, people spend, I think it's like 90,000 hours of their life at this thing called work. It's like a third <laughs> right. of it. And a third right. of your life, right? And right. so please enjoy what you do. Find joy. Enjoy the people you work with and around and be the per person and be, you know, the person that people want to work with. Like, that's a big right. chunk of your life and lots of relationships. There's tons of studies around having your best friends at work, right? That's like right. that that improves performance. And so many people meet their spouses at work. Well, like that's right. That, that that's just the place so much of lifelong relationships are built. And the classic, you know, people join an organization but leave a manager. So how do you not be that manager? <laughs> and how do you not have that manager? And there's a way that you can shape both of those relationships. I mean, this doesn't always work. I wish this was a magic wand and it's just every relationship became better. And, you know, there are some relationships that don't get to be improved, you know, hence the title, how to work with almost anyone. Because I think everybody's got a couple of people in their almost pile at least. You know, you're like, that person's a sociopath, crazy, terrible. I don't like them. Or just, it's not worth trying to make that better. And there's sometimes when, with the best of intentions, having a keystone conversation, a conversation about how you work together, doesn't always work, doesn't always move the relationship on, but often it does. And, you know, what I really hope for the people listening to the pod is that actually they're the ones brave enough to reach out and start this conversation. You know, somebody said to me once, nobody likes to be the first person to say hello, but everybody loves to be greeted. So I think, Tiffany, we have to acknowledge that people listening to this are going, it sounds good, but it sounds a bit awkward. <laughs> how would you How would you do this? And I'm like, yeah, it, it will be a bit awkward. It doesn't get done very often. And if there's a chance that the majority of your working relationships can be 10 to 15% better, it's worth that gamble. I love how you frame that. And <laughs> I often say that when people come to you and maybe like that person who said, hey, I want to tell you that like your resting face or when you're thinking <laughs> right. like, intimidates me, right? Yeah, yeah. Or I care about our relationship, so I want to just ask you these questions. How can right. I, right? Like right. you're being very vulnerable yeah. in asking the question, right? You're kind of setting yourself up for somebody to just come down and go like, what the heck, right? That's like, right. who are you? What do you do? Like, whatever it might be, right? It might be a negative response. Yeah. That if somebody works through that, safety, vulnerability, and trust to come to you in that moment to either say something about themselves, like, I'm feeling this way. That's right. Or I'm sensing this from you, that you have to take that message and, and treat it with as much care. Because if you shut right. them down, um, I believe a few things. One, you might put out the light or their interest or their confidence in ever doing that again. That's because maybe agree. it's the first agree. time they've, they've read your book, right? MBS, yeah. they've read your book. They're <laughs> right. like, they're actioning the tools you've given them. So now they're out there for the first time, right? right. Asking this question exactly. or saying this thing. Being brave. Being taking brave. that risk, being like, vulnerable. And right? like, please don't, please don't. You know that poem by uh, Yates, which is like, I can't remember exactly, but he spreads out his cloak on the grass and he says, these are my dreams tread carefully on these. And it's the same sort of thing, which is like, these are, these are people's dreams, so tread carefully. And so if you shut them down, 
know that it will have implications three, five, ten years down the line. They may right. never do it again. They may feel like, I tried it once, I'm not ever doing it again. Right. Right? So if someone comes to you, and you may be in your head, oh, they must have read MBS's book. <laughs> which would be <laughs> or, great. Or watched, or, right, which would be great, right? Watched yeah. his TEDx talk, whatever yeah. it might be, right? Listen to his podcast, whatever. That just keep that in mind, that you're the keeper of potential. And right. if you're a manager or a leader and someone comes to you, don't play the I'm the hippo, right? Like, right. Don't, don't play that. Like, really take it and say, I hear you. Or what, let me ask that differently or state that differently. What should the response be if someone comes to you with this kind of exercise, right? And they're yeah. flexing their confidence muscle. How should you respond? Well, I think for you to be as generous as possible about it is the act to say, look, this is, I mean, this isn't just a nice self-development process for them. This is actually them trying to build your relationship with them better. So this is a benefit to you in doing this. And if you shirk this, you're pretending that it's all about the work that matters rather than the people doing the work. And work gets done through people. The flip side of this, Tiffany, is to say also, if you are that person who's actually been brave enough to do this and you get knocked back because there will that will happen, you know, as, as much as it's possible, it's like, this is probably not personal. <laughs> this is probably not really about you. It's about them. And one, one failure or one kind of failure to launch in this moment shouldn't dampen your courage to go back and try it with somebody else. It's also when you're thinking about doing this, perhaps for the first time, there's a way you may choose to do it with a safer plate person, you know, like, Tiffany and I already get on. So how do we make our working relationship, which is already good, how do we make it a little bit better? And you get to practice in a way that feels safe and you can try to get some reps in and try some stuff out. I love that. I love that because I think it's super important. You know, I, I, I call it your confidence muscle. It's like going to the gym. Yeah. Yeah. First time you go to the gym, you can't pick up 50 pounds. Like right. you need to work your way to that. So you may exactly. have to work your way to the difficult relationship conversation, right? Yeah. Or the one with your boss, which might be a little more challenging. But ultimately, yeah. you have to start to try. So as we wrap this up, MBS, what would be the sort of two or three things you'd advise our listeners to try Monday morning, right? Like if there's, listen, let's lean into this. Let's start yeah. slow. Obviously, besides reading your book and watching your TEDx, besides those two things, <laughs> yeah. what, what would you say? Well, I'd say one thing is to start the process of self-reflection, which is like, do you know who you are and, and how you flourish at work? The very first question of the five questions in the Keystone conversation is the Amplify question. And the question is, what's your best? When do you shine and when do you flow? So one thing you could do come the, the next time you, you sit down to work is spend a few minutes going, when do I shine? And when do I flow? When I am in that, say, how would I describe that to somebody else? Because if you're able to describe that to somebody else, there's a chance they may be able to try and provide that circumstance for you to shine and you to flow. The second thing that you might choose to do is look at the network of relationships you have and go, which are the ones that influence my success and my happiness? You've got a bunch of work people in your life, but some have a higher rather than a lower impact on success, meaning the quality and the impact of your work and of your happiness. And what you're doing here is like, what's your shortlist of people for whom you may choose to have a conversation with? And then maybe if you want to be 
take the next step is to actually pick one of those people and go, what's a short conversation I could have with that person that might nudge this working relationship to be better than it currently is? Those are great. Feel like not so scary. <laughs> right. Right? You kind of have to lean into this whole thing. And, you know, I've, I've, uh, I've, I've worked in the last decade on these things because I think that it's also helped me move my career forward right. once I started to smooth some of the edges, right? But it came from people coming to me and saying, hey, hey, right. how about, maybe, let's yeah. talk about. Like, and so those people around me um, absolutely lifted me up and I you know, stand on the shoulders of them because they cared enough to say, hey, I care about your success and your happiness. Like, let's go on this journey together, let's go, right? And, and for me, those people, and also the, some of the working relationships that have become a, you know, a burning wreckage, <laughs> and I've w stumbled out of it kind of covered in soot and dazed and confused, like, what, what happened there? You know, I've got my fair share of those in my past as well, and part of what this book is based on is learning from that, going, how do I avoid that as much as possible? So every working relationship has a chance to be amplified to be the best possible version of itself. Well, amazing. Michael? AKA MBS. I appreciate you. I'm grateful for our new friendship and you for you spending the time with us on this episode of What's Next. How can people stay in touch with you and continue following your work? Uh, thank you for asking. Um, if you're curious about this book, bestpossiblerelationship.com is the URL, and you can download the five questions of the Keystone Conversation. And there's also a video of me having a Keystone Conversation with somebody on my team, Ainsley. So if you're like, yeah, but how does it work? I can show you exactly how it works. So you can just go there. All that stuff is free. And then uh, the kind of general website for all the bits and pieces I do is mbs.works. And you can find out the free resources with all the other books I've written, courses, this, that, and the other. All right. Well, thank you so much. Thank you again, everybody, for joining us. Don't forget to leave us a review, share with your friends, subscribe, and we'll look forward to having you join us again next time. Thanks, MBS. Thanks, Tiffany.